Hey there, folks. This is Brock, executive producer of the Sprocket Podcast. It's a fancy title. What it really means is I just pull files off the internet and I paste them together. I whittle them on my front porch or maybe on my back porch into an MP3 that you can take and roll down the street with a stick. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for tuning into the Sprocket Podcast, where we simplify the good life. As said, my name is Brock Dittis. And we are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about global and local matters, uh, at this point both very global and very local matters, in ways that we hope are entertaining and uh, maybe somewhat irreverent. So, amongst other things we cover, bicycles, transportation systems, and today, electronics as well. Uh, We are featuring a conversation between... Guthrie Straw and Aaron Flores, your regular on-air co-hosts. This is what's becoming normal for us in the uh, time where everyone must uh, stay distanced from each other. This is an episode conducted on the popular platform Zoom. Whenever I type that into my iPhone, I get a little race car emoji. And, I mean, why can't it be a bike, right? Why not? But uh, we had Mac Nurse David, who has joined us as part of Team Sprocket Podcast at the Lads 500 last year and in previous years, if I'm not mistaken. And he came in, first of all, to talk about repairing your old tech. So if you're not into tech at all, uh, you can fast forward about halfway through this episode and they're going to start talking about bikes again. But Mac Nurse David, so-called, because he came in, not only is he a professional nurse, but also in his spare time, he is a nurse for our technology. He attempted uh, to upgrade some of our memory back when we had a Mac Mini in our studio, and he tore the whole thing apart and did his best to upgrade, but uh, due to technological limitations, we got a good technology lesson, and uh, we kept our memory at the size that it was. So, anyways, uh, we are super grateful for him being a friend of the show, a listener, and today bringing all this information, both about uh, using and restoring old technology and about how he rides bikes, and also a little bit about his broken bone. He joined Aaron in the Broken Bones Club. So, without further ado, please join the conversation in progress with Mac Nurse David. It's David. I uh, used to justify cutting uh, programs like welfare and food stamps was like there was a case where a guy would like once every now and then buy a lobster mm-hmm. with his food stamps. You know, because that's that's acceptable. Mm-hmm. You that's know food. what? Yeah, and so you know, people would use that as like you know, people shouldn't be buying lobsters. That's you know, rich person's food. That's privileged food. He shouldn't be buying lobsters on his on his EBT benefits. But the thing is, is like he ate very frugally in order to save up for that lobster. Yeah, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Also, it, also it's like. The yeah, the amount of the, like moral policing with food stamps. Is well, yeah, just... this is bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> that's of the same reason. Like, you give five buddy, if you, you give somebody five bucks, you give somebody five bucks. You don't right. say like, hey, you better, you know, like, <laughs> you better use that five dollars for what I tell you to. It's like, no, right, right, <laughs> here. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. You can get lobster. Yeah, get lobster. You can't get you can't get hot lobster, but you can get lobster, and you can you make can get it a yourself. lobster. And you can cook it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So your your carbon and titanium uh, frame bikes uh, can be your lobster. Nice. Hey, Macnish David, how are you doing? Oh, no, that's hey. okay. Ah, uh, I just took a big trip. Uh, <laughs> hi, guys. Hey, uh, what is this happening? Is my first time using Zoom, so 
steep learning curve for me. It's all good. Oh, yeah, it works. It, it is kind of weird like that. It 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 brings you in muted. I think it's nice because then you're not just like. I don't know, maybe it connects and you're going to the bathroom or something and you're like, wait, don't don't listen to me. <laughs> don't connect it. <laughs> right, oh. exactly. <laughs> no, my introduction to Zoom has been this week because my kids are all doing Zoom hangouts Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. with their friends like at the lunch hour. So <laughs> it's ah. a little treat they get. Um, yeah, so hi. Hey. What's up? Hair did zero research <laughs> that's all right i hear it's been i hear it's been busy out there yeah well i'm working home health now i'm not working in the hospital okay gotcha so um i'm lucky that way i'm not running into a bunch of people who know that they have the uh the plague creeping across our land right <laughs> It's just it's just a roll of the dice every time you go into someone's house. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then it's always a roll of the dice, kind of like being you know, it's us and yeah. cable guys, right? You get what you get when you walk into somebody's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So what sparked you guys' discussion about the um, the lobster and the EBT benefits? What was because I kind of came in the middle of that. Oh yeah. You want to fill him in, Guthrie? Uh, to be honest, I can't even remember how we got started on it. <laughs> I think so. We were talking. Uh, you're, uh, we're, you're talking about carbon frames and titanium frames yeah. for fat bikes. <laughs> oh, that was oh. it. We were talking and about cham- champagne tastes and beer yes. budget. Oh, yeah. I'm an expert in that. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us are. <laughs> yeah. It's really easy to like nice stuff. Speaking of nice stuff, I got you guys. I was going to bring this to the studio when I showed up. Oh, oh sweet. But I got each of you guys one of those all-weather notebooks from Field. Nice. Oh, thank so, you so much. Thank you. So, so at the Lad Five Hundred, I'll bring oh, those if we're yeah. if we're if we're out of lockdown by the time July rolls around. Yeah, definitely. Gosh. I know that um, Brock wanted us to. I solicited questions from from our executive producer. He, he was definitely <laughs> curious about um, the Lads Five Hundred component, um, and then. Yeah, I was listening to. I I was the last time you were on the show back in like the two hundred eighties or so. Like it's been a Probably. little while, or has there been a time in between there? No, I've only uh, I've only been on. Well, wait a minute. Is I only on? I was. I tried to fix the Mac Mini. Okay. Yeah, I, I was upgraded. trying to think if that was an episode or if you just came over to fix it. I think that was a bonus thing like that okay. was uh, that uh, you guys put that up. And then there was the episode about taking control of your digital life kind of thing. Yes. Okay. And, and I don't remember if there was another one where I was on that was besides the lab 500. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. So I, was just I think this is number three to catch up on those. Well, we'll, we'll two, two more and we'll have the five time club patch um, right. headed, headed your way. Yeah, I was, I was, um, listening to that i was talking about uh or i guess like stuff that i'm always at somewhat level interested in is like self-repair um just diy kind of make it make it work uh even if the companies tell you to get a new one kind of deal um right right to repair hacking laptops etc um you know whatever whatever makes it work um and it sounded like you had had some repair experience in that regard as well (laughs) Oh yeah. So I, um, way back before I was a nurse, well, uh, I did computer repair. Um, I started out at the call center at Apple in Austin and did that for way too long because that's 
that's a real burnout job if you don't love it. Um, and then I, I transitioned to the Apple stores and started doing hands-on repair. Gotcha. So I'm pretty much not afraid to take apart anything digital, which is funny because you put a wrench in my hand and put me next to a bicycle and I'm an idiot all of a sudden. I have a hard time fixing them. We can work uh, a trade. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with digital stuff, it's like so much of that stuff is when it's broken, you can't, you really can't break it any worse because it's non-functional. So it's mm-hmm. not going to get any better. So it's worth it to spend 50 bucks or whatever and try. Yeah, Totally. And, like, and I really like iFixit's website. They, I like their philosophy and I've mm-hmm. used a couple of their kits. Um, but it's it's been a while since I cracked something open. Um, yeah. Well, that's like the dream, right? Is you, you don't have to go to iFixit every week because <laughs> your stuff's like staying well long enough um, for it to not be a exactly. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, what's our roommate had a, 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 I think he still had it under warranty or something. So he ended up getting it replaced on that instead. But every time right. he's like oh yeah like walking around with like from charger to charger to plug it back <laughs> into the wall from like the kitchen to his room i'm like you know anytime you want we can just go get a battery on i fix it like i'll <laughs> i'll totally get you through that um, right well and they're pretty cheap too right because mm-hmm. it was like 50 bucks yeah i've done it, i did a battery replacement like back on an iphone 4 i want to say mm-hmm. yeah and totally. it was pretty pretty straightforward yeah i mean it's like that that's what i tell a lot of folks who who are like interested they're in the interested but concerned uh breaking electronic category Uh, a lot of similar stuff to your sentiment on like well it's already broken so much but i just feel like um really getting hands on and just doing it once or twice uh, especially if you have somebody there like somebody who can validate um like your apprehensions in addition to being like it's one thing for me to say like yeah go to iFixit and just follow the steps if somebody's like well I've, I've never done this before right um so just kind of like having people break under or get into the case just that one time and then like that stuff I learned um because I was fortunate enough to build a lot of computers back in high school and stuff it's just like it wasn't a good computer build unless you bled some like some <laughs> amount when you were putting stuff together, and that was like the all sign. the sharp edges in those yep. machines. Yeah, that was Absolutely. a sign that you were doing it right. Uh, <laughs> and you know, it's it's funny now because we joke and we're like, yeah, computer building's not like stop stop being so serious. Once we stop being able to cut ourselves on everything, like that's actually yeah. gotten a little bit better, all things considered. Um, oh, for real. But the hackability is is still. For, depending on your brand, mostly there. Um, right. I mean, it kind of depends. Apple keeps their machines pretty locked down. They do. They have good reasons for doing it. But if yep. you like to roll your own stuff, it's not the platform for you. Um, yeah, or at least, but, at least not pre, not post-2013, it sounds. 20, 2014-ish. I mean, they've been pretty... They've... I mean, you could always get a processor update for the older PowerPC machines. Mm-hmm. Um, but Apple never endorsed those. They were like, that was always a third party uh, kit. And it was always a warning that you might burn something up on your machine because, right. <laughs> because the thermal regulation was off. Mm. Um, the, all the pocket devices though, those are all, um, those are a lot harder to hack, like from a hardware perspective than the older machines were like, even the Android phones, it's not, you're not going to go in there and replace the processor on one of them. Mm-hmm. you're not gonna you're not gonna put a different better screen on there you're gonna you're gonna go replace it with the screen that you busted because you didn't have a case on it when you dropped it um but the battery being able to replace the battery that's cheap because i like to i mean my philosophy towards a lot of this stuff is um 
a new phone costs a thousand dollars. I mean, that's at least at least a thousand dollars. And so yeah. I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to run out that phone for as long as I can. <laughs> uh, and we so when I bought my last phone, it was an iPhone six. I went in, I paid cash for it. The guy looked at me and he's like, so you want to get on a payment plan? Because once you walk out, it's not covered under warranty or it's not covered. You can't bring it back. You have to go through Apple for it. And I was like, no, I'll pay cash. He's like, all right. He just tried to do that to me three times. Like get you on the debt train. Stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, because you're a guaranteed me. customer at that point. Right. So this guy walks in behind me and he wants to buy the the exact same phone that I bought, just slightly different. And the guy asked him how he wants to pay. He goes, I want to pay cash guy looks at him he looks at me he goes are you guys part of a club um, <laughs> it's called the uh, not being in what if else's what if that club. guy walked in fully intending to be on a payment plan and then saw you decide to pay cash and realize like oh wait that's possible i can do that <laughs> oh i wish i was that charismatic no he walked in after <laughs> we had that discussion well it, is, it uh, does uh it does bring up like a good point in the whole process which is uh Another thing that's nice about buying used is you usually don't have to put up with that kind of stuff. Um, so it's kind of like an added benefit of getting some some lightly used equipment uh, that's been well cared for. Um, is you're not the one sitting there getting worn down at some like store who's who's trying to make that extra buck. Um, so there's there's like some there's definitely some pitfalls with buying used, and you usually I think the more you do it, the the better you. Um, kind of suss out where your comfortabilities are in that experience um but overall i'd i'd i would take like i would take n- needing to do a little bit of homework on buying a used component um than going to a place that's really trying to sell me hard on something because usually if it gets to like <laughs> it's probably good i don't own a car because i'd go into a dealership <laughs> and i'd turn around and i'd just walk right back out um, <laughs> so i feel like getting a getting a phone can be like that sometimes as well it can well though having had to buy a car for home health um which broke my heart um that's okay doing your homework you're, you're still and, welcome on the show <laughs> i know i was afraid to say anything i was gonna be like oh zoom set oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> um but the same thing applies there you do your homework um you figure out what you want you figure out what you want to pay and you, and if you do that and you go in you don't get the hard and then you pay cash. quite as much mm-hmm. that time i didn't unfortunately pay cash because i am <laughs> not independently wealthy right um no but but i did have a decent deal and i had it you know pre-funded through something else and and knew exactly what i was trying to get for for my job i needed something that was gas efficient but the the big point was is that i got something that was in my budget it was what i was looking for and i had done my research before mm-hmm. i got into it and funny enough cars these days are hard to hack as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know you can't you, it's the days of the shade tree mechanic are about done too because you're not going to go in there and change the fuel injection mapping or any of that stuff mm-hmm. um so it's you know as a hobby it's a little different than it used to be just like computer building and, and nerding out on electronic devices a little bit different than it used to be that way. Yeah, definitely. There's um, so one thing that I fix it in particular does is they have what is they, they call their um, repairability score and it's, you know, decently objective, but generally falls along the lines of, you know, if, if you were to get this, uh, how easy would it be to get back and running if it were to break? Um, and just as a common example, um, most Mac stuff comes in at like a, 
one to a three these days out of 10 in terms of repairability. Um, and then, you know, Android phones and PCs can be in the one to six ish range. Uh, there, there's a few products here and there that are up to an eight or a nine, but generally speaking, the general like gist of their repairability score in my uh, experience has been like stuff is getting less repairable. So yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's across the board. Um, if folks aren't as familiar with, there's kind of a movement going on around the United States and do a better part of the world right now called the right to repair movement. Um, and so that's basically the concept that when you buy something, uh, if it says you're the owner, you are not only the owner of that device, but you're the owner of what you can do to that device. And you're also the like that the that maintainer includes. and customizer of said device. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Well, to, to offer the old um, kind of analogy is like a farmer should be able to work on the tractor you go to these old old farms yeah right see how I, <laughs> see how i snuck that in there um <laughs> you, you know if the tractor breaks you, you, you can't go to the local depot and get a part you need to be able to right. manufacture or fab and uh get that thing back in service and get it running um sa- sadly that's not actually the case anymore similar to uh a lot of consumer electronics uh john deere tractors in particular have been heading that way um, so that's where a lot of the forefront of the right to repair movement is is um, in the consumer space. But I think where it really hits home is in the more um, subsistence space uh, where you have folks who are growing the crops that we eat and that sort of deal, um, you know, having to put up with this as well. So there's a lot of good things uh, that I think... Um, can be accomplished via having better right to repair bills. Uh, and as usual, it's competing with everything else that's going on in the world for um, enough status to, to, to bring maybe that, that sea change of attention um, that, that some of us in the space feel is needed. Um, yeah, I, it's it kind of interesting that we're talking about used electronics because I have actually gotten slightly newer electronics as of late, um, and it mainly just came down to timing and things breaking at very unexpected periods. Um, so this, this, I am on a new laptop. Um, and that was simply because for a project that I was working on at the time that was providing income, uh, <laughs> I didn't have a chance to wait a week and a half to go on to the places I usually go on to get a used computer to get it sent to me um, because I needed to keep working on it like that morning at nine o'clock. Um, so that was right. a bit of a, a, of a different experience for me. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what your guys' experiences are. It's just kind of like what, what those considerations are new versus used and then within used, like any um, advice or tips or yeah, that kind of thing that, that you'd have to offer. Do you want to go or you want me to go, Aaron? <laughs> well, I, mine will be really quick. I've put in a battery in a classic iPad or not iPad, iPod, you know, the ones with the little dial that clicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was fairly straightforward. It was just a matter of cracking it open and then, you know, making the terminals meet and then putting it back together. Um, that was the hard part. Uh <laughs> Um, I did used to put computers together, uh, PC-based computers, um, back in the day when I was in college uh, for just scrap money, you know. And those 
again, are fairly straightforward. Just make the terminals meet, set it up. You're good to go. Uh, I have always been afraid of Macs. That's always been my, because I don't know why I got it in my head that like they're made to not be worked on. Um, and so I never, I never bothered with them. Uh, I have been lucky as far as devices and, and most electronics to go the new old stock route. Um, for example, this is a seven and um, it's also the last one with the classic headphone jack um, that Apple is making. And uh, I've had this for about a year. The one before that was a five and I had that for three or four years. And the only reason why I got rid of that was a combination of the battery life, but also just running out of space. And I refuse to subscribe to iCloud. <laughs> I refuse to. I refuse to give them any more money. Well, for what it's worth, I don't pay for iCloud storage either. Um, <laughs> no, actually, it's funny because I was not a computer builder in high school, and I wasn't actually all that techie through high school and through college. I kind of fell into doing uh, tech support when I was looking for a job when I got out, and I used Macs all through college. Their OS kind of just jives with the way my liberal arts mind works. And so for me, you know, upgrading, like kitting out a computer was never really um, like, let's see how fast we can make this thing go. It's like, this is the right kind of computer for that. This is the right kind of computer for that. This is the right kind of computer for that. And here's how you keep them running. Um, now that said, with uh, I've had the experience of having to retire some old equipment and buy some new stuff because with school being out, my kids are home. And they're having to do distance learning. Yeah. Now I have an iPad too from when I went to nursing school, which is almost ten years old at this point, which pains me greatly to say because it does not feel anywhere close. That's to an years. antique, man. It is an antique. <laughs> it still works. That's the thing. Is like, oh, it's, that's you, awesome. Yeah, you have to buy the thirty pin cable to make it to to charge it up, but it still works. It still browses the web. You can't play Netflix on it. Netflix updated their app. Yep. It has a a hardware minimum. That's where you start with, with any of the portable devices. That's where you really start feeling the pain of the non upgradability or non customability of the hardware, because that iPad two is great, but we can't even just watch it to use it to watch videos for my kids anymore. And the browser is not recent enough to do the school stuff. Oh, so yeah. Exactly. You can't update the browser because because you can't update the iOS. The iOS it won't yeah. support the uh, the <laughs> hardware. It doesn't support the newest version of the OS, which right. makes sense. You have to like if you keep everything in, then you end up with something like Windows 10 that has the backwards compatibility <laughs> to 1992, yeah. and it's all a mess. But yeah. you can make anything work. But then you got you have to make anything work, and then you go the Apple route. It's like if it's older than six years, we're not guaranteeing that it's going to be forward compatible. Yeah. And both approaches have their merits and both have their definite disadvantages. So we bought a couple of Chromebooks. We brought them brand new, 220 bucks. Yeah. Hard to, hard to go wrong. It's hard to go wrong. But three years from now, I guarantee you they will not be enough machine to yeah. do even the stuff we're doing with it now. And so the, and this is, hopefully I'm not getting like too into the weeds. Chrome OS was its own like little bundle of issues as well until very recently. Right. Uh, so, if as far as the timing award goes, good timing. Because uh, if you were to if you were to do that, you know, eight or eight or nine months ago, it would have been a different experience, from my understanding. Right. 
Well, but buying a laptop too. I mean, buying a laptop is if you buy an Apple laptop, even used, they hold their value really well. Yeah. I mean, they're because you can use. I mean, you spend. You can't buy. It's like the BMW analogy. It's really hard to buy a cheap BMW, but that's because even the cheapest BMW has a certain minimum level of performance that they require to call uh, it a BMW. Yeah. That's the way Apple is. Apple doesn't compete at the low end. So you end up, you, it's really hard to buy a machine from Apple that's not going to last you five or six years if there's not a hardware problem. Uh, but that does come at a cost because they are all about making it pretty and making it compact and making it efficient. But that means that sometimes to replace a, you know, a small problem, you have to replace the whole logic board. So mm-hmm. now you've just spent twice the cost of the machine to fix it if it's out of warranty. Yeah, the Apple, it's, uh, so I guess my perspective on that is from somebody who never, like, I never worked at Apple or anything, but, like, usually by the time I was at an Apple store, it meant that I had done enough research to know that the absolute only way to solve my problem was by going to the Apple store. Um, <laughs> yes. So <laughs> it's, it's, like, some of the conversations I would have were always interesting because I think, like, you know, I, I've got, like, my narrowed down suspicions and, like, it's kind of hard sometimes to be, like, like not, like, trust me, but, like, also trust me. Like, I spent, like, eight days diagnosing this and, like, I think I have a decent enough idea of what's going on. Obviously, like, the only thing I can't run, so Apple Store has these uh, Ethernet jacks that they can plug in and they have, like, a Apple-specific diagnostic that they can do and, like, that's, like, the only thing I don't have. So <laughs> that's that's when you end up yeah. going down and you're like, okay, sweet. I think it's the graphics card. <clears throat> ah, yep, it's the graphics card. Cool. <laughs> um, it's been validated. Uh, so, like, on my 2011 machine, like, I think the only thing that was original on that was the keyboard, the screen, and the... <laughs> Yeah, that's the only original things that were on my on my Apple by the time that it it died uh, earlier this this uh, 2019. So like I had done one logic board replacement, I had done three AC uh, converter uh, replacements, and I think I didn't replace the Wi-Fi antennas, but they kind of came with the new board so like i would just switch out parts all over the place but those are incredibly workable machines i've probably gone through like six or seven batteries on that machine um which one was it it was the 2011 macbook pro the 17 inch okay yeah just incredibly serviceable machines and um finally because i i got my first logic board replacement just at the very end of when apple was like when you were still within their kind of like, it's our fault grace period of, of <laughs> uh, components. And then by the time the next logic board replacement rolled around, because um, what ultimately failed was the graphics um, on the system from the second logic board. And so at that time, you know, it, it was long enough away from 2011 um, that it was five $600 to get a logic board for a 2011 MacBook Pro. And that's when you start uh, really looking hard at your other options in terms of, oh, yeah. of what you want to do. Um, but they can still be found. Uh, and, and one thing that's interesting about iFixit is they have a pretty good grading system from, from like what they'd call is like their new part, basically a part that they get that's in pristine condition. And then they have like uh, B class and C class or something. So you can choose your level of like how beat up you want your part from them. Uh, and so we replaced a Apple 
laptop screen uh, maybe like m- a month or two ago, and I was able to go and and get their like C stock part for ninety bucks for a MacBook Air screen, uh, and just like you know take an hour and slap that in. Uh, and the A class part would have been like two hundred fifty, but the C class part was like way better than the screen that was actually on the uh, on the MacBook <laughs> to start with. So it totally totally worked out. Um, but yeah, the the for laptops for Windows, um, there's a fair amount of upgradeability. They usually make the battery pretty easy to access, the hard drive, the RAM. Those are going to be your if you have something going on with those, like always. Um, look for opportunities to replace or to replace with used. And then for Mac stuff, it's yeah, kind of a moot point these days because chances are you're going to be like, if, if you need to replace anything, um, everything's soldered to the motherboard. So, you know, unless you have like a magnifying kit and a soldering station and a fair yeah. bit of knowledge and you like to watch Lewis Rossman YouTube videos all the time. Uh, <laughs> right. It, it might be a hard, it might be a bad day depending on what you're trying to do. Well, it's funny cause I just got into ham radio a couple of years ago and they talk about surface mount chips and, and that's, that's the kind of soldering you're talking about that little micro soldering. And it's like, there's a reason they, the kits come with all the surface mount stuff done for you. Because oh, yeah. it's so easy to miss <laughs> and do that wrong. Um, I had an iMac, one of the silver ones, that I had a very similar experience that you had with your MacBook Pro, where I had replaced the hard drive a couple of times. I swapped out a logic board. Like it would just, it was like I am not taking this machine apart one more time because <laughs> yeah. it had because it had a glass panel that goes over the display, so you have to like roll the lint off of both of them before you put it in because when you put that glass panel over it if there's any if there's any kind of thing you're going to see it on the screen and yep. once you see it you can't unsee it and it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's really really annoying uh, but yeah that was that machine those machines were pretty uh pretty repairable um yeah and in that respect the the new mac or the new imax i think have gotten a little bit better uh they they give you some access to what is it do they give you access to ram trying to think maybe i'm just misremembering as in you're you're able to upgrade the ram there's or... i need to I'll, I'll need to double check it seemed like they were doing like slightly better you didn't have to get it seemed like you didn't have to take the screen off for like as many things as you did ah. from the 2016s to the 2018s or something like that i don't follow that desktop space as specifically right. and then i f- oh. follow it now mac mac has an upgradable machine but it starts at five you know, it starts at six thousand dollars now. So um, I mean, it's it, a real nice it, machine if you oh, can buy yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I think um, <laughs> it's pretty clear what demographic Apple's going for, and that would not be, you know, not not. I don't think it would be people like you and I. It's more, uh, you know, video production houses that have uh, a tax roll and the ability to deduct said uh-huh. ex- business expense off of said tax roll um, for like a small to medium production company is is where that market is for them. I think. So oh, for sure, yeah, you know, there's there's that kind of deal. Um, yeah, I want to put a, a maybe an ask out uh, if you if you're looking for something that's used, um, it, you know, of course we all know about Craigslist and about eBay. Um, are there any other places that you feel like folks uh, would be benefited from poking around? Um, and if not, what are what are like your top three tips for for getting and, and dealing in used electronic type stuff? Oh man, um, 
So I'm about 13 years out of full professional practice on doing repairs. And I was never, I was never the smartest guy in the room when it came to that. I was serviceable, but, um, if, uh, I fix it's always a great start. Reddit. Mm -hmm. If you can comb through all the posts is you can always find some good nuggets there. Um, and if you're ever concerned when you, if you're trying to source electronics, find some place that'll, that'll give you a, like even a tiny, tiny little return window or warranty so that you can test the machine out, um, and find something that may not be obvious. That's that. Cause you know, having that confidence, you know, if somebody's selling you a piece of crap, they're probably not going to give you any kind of warranty on it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would look for. Yeah. Honestly. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, I, I fix it's kind of my first place to go because they have all the stuff for the max that I own. <laughs> nice. Yeah, totally. And that, that is, uh, is an excellent option. I fix it is so it, it's incredibly well built. Um, the, a lot of the tools that you get on, I fix it, like how I fix it works. Uh, it, if you haven't been to the website before is you have a problem. So you describe to them your problem. And then they show you a bunch of guides and you click through and usually within like the first or second guide, um, you know, let's say like my screen on this is broken and they'll say, okay, well, you know, what year is it? Uh, what size is it? What model is it? That type of deal. So you can browse via exactly what you have, or you can just put in your question and they'll try to match you with the best guide. And then where it really, um, starts to get fun is they'll have like very well-defined instructionals uh and it's kind of like just think of it as playing like adult legos and at the end of it you get to use your computer again um so they'll they'll guide you step by step through it and you can actually get the parts that you need are specifically listed all in order exactly in the place that you would expect um and then from there you know you can upgrade to they will they will do a tiny bit of upsell for their repair kits um but i find that generally speaking what they sell is good um their their tools i've bought tools from them and i bought tools from other third parties and i'd say on average they're decent some of them are better some of them are worse so i i don't think it's um i i wouldn't say they're the absolute best but they'll certainly get the job done and I think the reason I have that opinion is that I use their tools for like multiple different repairs. So if you're getting something for just one go at a thing, it's going to be perfectly fine. I look at it from the standpoint of, okay, I might need to use this tool like five or six or seven times, uh, depending on like whose systems I'm helping out with or that kind of deal. Yeah. Sorry. You oh, were going to totally, say something? Yeah. You no, know, I totally agree with that assessment of their tools. Um, I, they're also great because if you don't have them, they can be hard to find. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, they, so, so you can get the specific tool you need to re- for the repair, but yes, they're, the, I, I find that they're pretty mid grade having had really nice tools <laughs> <laughs> that I got to use for a while. Yeah. Um, aren't they, uh, also I fix it. Don't they frequently buy a machine at retail and then just do a tear apart, a take apart on it? Yeah. 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 So they, they and, have then a team. and then they share that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so that that's actually where, generally speaking, these days, that's where the repairability score comes from. Is when, uh, you know, Apple releases their new system, uh, I fix it, gets their hands on it, and then they post these like um, state of the machines kind of videos. And it's usually like I don't know for their for their laptops and stuff. It's like an hour, hour and a half teardown video, but they take it apart piece by piece by piece, um, and then that's kind of a um, resource 
tool or module that they use to then create their repair guides. Uh, But there's also user submitted repair guides. So if you are in the zone of like knowing really, really well how to fix this super obscure thing and um, you just want to contribute knowledge to it, um, there's community submitted guides as well um, with with sort of a filter upvote moderation system. Um, So you'll see a lot of the more popular guides, especially for before iFixes started buying um, the latest kit to, for the purpose of tearing it down, you'll see a lot of community guides uh, that are kind of top of the list for that as well. You know, just right. just written by passionate people who are like, well, this was a pain in the ass, so I might as well write it down so somebody doesn't have to do that twice. Exactly. Well, it's like an unboxing video, only way better. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Much more detail. Um, um, and you know what? You asked me and I, my top three tips, and I actually totally the number one 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 tip and i can't believe i have to say this in 2020 but i'm going to anyway because i i always run into this have a backup of all your data have a backup Ah. whatever the backup is have a backup because it doesn't if you have to buy a whole new computer you can buy a whole new computer but you can't replace all your pictures, the videos you made, the notes from Collet, whatever else you have on your machine, that, that shit's all gone. If something happens and the hard drive dies and it's not recoverable and data recovery costs a lot of money. And sometimes yep. it still doesn't work or it doesn't come back perfect. Yeah. So if there is, if there is one thing I'm lazy about just about everything else, I always, always, always have at least three versions of a backup somewhere. So because because you know i'm paranoid that way i've watched i've watched a phd <laughs> lose his dissertation yeah because he had one copy on his computer he had one computer that he had all the stuff for his dissertation on and it all went oh no yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> oh so yeah i think that's that's something like like you you learn and then you really <laughs> learn it the first time it happens to you <laughs> Yes. Uh, and it's kind of not, it's not the, it's uh, off topic a little bit, but it's, it's like, that's, if I, if I have a soapbox, mm-hmm. yeah, that's going to be one of those things. Oh, totally. Well, I'm, I'm right up your Creek with that paddle. Uh, you know, for a lot of the work that I do, it's your, uh, I mean, just to use film to buy bike as an example, um, there, there's not really an excuse of like, Oh, sorry, I lost the film. So there's no festival this year. Right. Like <laughs> it totally pays to have backups um and there are different forms of backups there's different philosophies around backing up um your needs for backing up can be different whether you need that data stored for a small amount of time or a very long period of time uh sort of like archival versus more just like working scratch with um what what you're what you're doing um i would add to the backup statement by first off saying absolutely uh yeah you're totally (laughs) totally right about that nothing nothing more painful um and oftentimes like your chance of recovery if you bring it into the pros is like little uh so so like i I think a lot of people are like oh like i've heard of this software i'll just bring it in and a lot of you go in and you pay five six hundred dollars and then they're like okay cool well we got fragments of three percent of your data that is that happens more often than you'd think. Uh, so yeah, totally, wow. totally want to save yourself some pain on that. Um, and one thing um, that I would just recommend if you are doing backups or you're doing any kind of repair, in addition to just making like a backup, um, the the way that I like to make sure that I'm actually 
knowing what I'm doing is if you have the ability, it might be a little bit of a pain, but take whatever you think your backup is and see in, see if you can get it back to life on another system, uh, whether it's like asking a friend or um, borrowing or I don't know, even, even if you have an external hard drive heading to the library and just like make make sure that what you think you have backed up is actually backed up. Um, because I know this is... Uh, I'm not sure what like Windows backup solutions there are in terms of full system backups, but um, time, time Machine is excellent. It's not always, it doesn't always perform the way that you might think. And so I think one of the big things that um, was a bit of a learning experience for folks that I worked with for trying to get their systems back is um, knowing that a backup is good, but not, not knowing how to validate that backup. Um, and so like just trust, just trusting Time Machine while a strategy that works most of the time, um, I always like to see if I can restore from a from a backup uh, before I actually go through and like do all the work that I'm trying to do. Um, and yeah, gosh, we're getting into we're doing tech. This is the tech episode. <laughs> we're going we're going yeah. way yeah. Way well, hey, that's um, that's fine. Right, time machine's great. I the time machine's great because it's always there. It's like real time, but it takes a lot of space. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the the big downside for Time Machine. Um, clone your Mac. Oh, what was it called? It was an app that you could get a free version that would let you do like disk imaging. So mm. you uh, super duper. I think. Oh no, oh. Carbon Copy Cloner. Yeah, Carbon, yeah, Carbon Copy, Copy Cloner. Because yep. you pay you pay for that, and then they have all sorts of different scripts that you can run on it. It's a to, that if you're. I mean, if you want to be able to tweak your backups and you want to be able to, to like do different kinds. Carbon Copy Cloner is a great app. That's mm-hmm. one that, well, I don't know what their fr- current version is because I haven't paid for it, but back when I was still doing this, that was like, even the free version was a great way to even start your recovery because a lot of times it could cl- take a disk and clone an image and you could try to pull the files off of that image and you would actually be able to do that because the mechanics of the disk were causing the problem with uh, getting to the files on the disk. But once you had that image on another machine, you were able to pull all the ninety percent of the files. I mean, then that, that's not a guarantee. Please don't come after me, people. If you do this and it doesn't work, <laughs> disclaimer. Um, <laughs> way big disclaimer. But it's it's something to try. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and Super Duper is another app that was around then too that I just came up when I searched it. But and they yeah. were great too. But they were they were not the one I used. So <laughs> I gotta say, this whole discussion about backing up is both making me nervous and blowing my mind in that I've always been reluctant to back things up um, only because the way I've done it is so time consuming because to me, backing up is okay. I select this file. I drag it over into this external higher drive. And then I wait for that file to copy. Now I'm going to do that with this file. And I just, I'm going to show you something. And it's only because it's only because we just moved in the boxes, like, really right next to me so (laughs) this is the first generation terabyte drive oh wow and i uh i that was back when i was really following tech developments and was waiting there you know the news was like oh we're we're almost gonna break the terabyte you know that was like the big upper limit for a long time for and um, so anyways, uh, when it came out, I 
I'm not even going to tell you how much I spent, but I spent way more than <laughs> than I should good. have. I think in terms of overspending on storage mediums, you're in good company. All right. <laughs> I was like, oh, they broke the terabyte barrier. I'm going to get it. And uh, that has been my main backup. <clears throat> there was a time. There's stuff on here like that I have done pre-college uh, and post-college. like. Stuff on here that's probably, gosh, I want to say 20 years old, maybe more than that. Um, And every time I've plugged it in, it's reliably come back up. That said, it's my only backup. And (laughs) there's some artwork that I did that I – the the scans of that are on here. And I wanted to show this to Anna one day and she had accidentally knocked it over Mm. while it was running. Oh, yep. And (laughs) it does, it does that, that click, you know, (laughs) 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 that that hard drives get. (laughs) I just immediately like unplugged everything, turned everything off. And like, it was just a real tense moment for us. Yeah. <laughs> We're still together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 5,400 uh, RPM platters don't like being thrown 90 degrees off axis in short periods of time. No. They're, they're, they don't uh, like banging into things either. Yeah. And, um, well, that's the, th- um, that it does bring up an uh, important uh, consideration for backups these days. Well, it's survived. Um, Gosh, I was living in Hawaii when I bought this. So it survived several moves. Um, and to this point, as far as I know, I haven't I haven't plugged it in since this latest move, but to this point in time, it is still working. It's uh what the I, I, I'm not going to be that guy, but some people in the backup industry would say that's not a backup. That's your primary <laughs> copy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in in a sense, yeah, because the originals are gone. Yeah. Well, if you, right? I've, I've got that's a, now the originals, I guess. Aaron, I'm, let me know a good time to drop off. I, I do have <laughs> an external um, sitting around, and if it if it was just n plus one, and we figure out the rest of it uh, sometime, just just let me know because that that makes me uneasy. <laughs> What Guthrie's trying to say is it's time for an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's it's blowing my mind and it's making me nervous. It's blowing my mind in the fact that like I didn't realize you could just I mean, back back when I was actually actively backing things up, Norton was your big uh option and I wasn't gonna shell out for that, especially since it seems like it's got some security issues these days um but yeah i didn't realize like there was there was all these other apps now and so i would just i would just drag and drop and drag and drop and just wait um but then also yeah it's making me nervous in that oh yeah this really is not much of a backup anymore yeah there's um there's 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 digital sort of redundancy within backup but there's also physical redundancy um yeah so uh maybe i i I could literally talk all night about backups (laughs) like not even kidding you um but maybe we'll 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 cap this and then pivot over into um some lads edition and or lads 500 and that that type of stuff 
Uh, so, so backups, like where, where it, you want to be in a perfect world. And like, this is in full understanding that this is not everybody's jam and butter. Um, and you know, Hey, I got a life to live. I can't think of all that shit. So, right. uh, you want multiple copies physically, but you also want multiple locations physically. Uh, so a good backup is three different copies in some iteration with at least one of those three copies at a place that is not where you keep the other two copies. Um, so a good backup system these days, uh, like I, for the, for the economical person's backup, um, it would be to run some form of RAID 5 or RAID 10 on a local array and basically not to, it's okay. all that means hold on no you gotta you gotta rewind and bring this <laughs> into right. layman's terms here. so layman's terms grandpa's confused layman's terms if it says five or ten on it what that means <laughs> is that if it's done properly if your hard drives like let's say let's say you're running if you had a five or a ten at your house you, that hard drive that you were just holding up you yeah. could you could put a a vampire spike through that and you would still be okay because you've got a second copy of that data that's still ah. just sitting there right next to it that's basically what that means um but then to have a good friend and to and to park a box at their house and just to have uh data that syncs over the wire to that friend's place and that is how you um put a little bit of money in at first but you avoid paying thousands of dollars to google and apple over the course of your digital lifetime uh and and you get to say hi to your friend and um that kind of thing every now and then too Hmm. yeah and there are professional companies like drive savers uh that was one that the shop that i worked at would often send people to it cost two three four five grand Mm -hmm. to recover a disc but if you dropped it in the ocean it was in a fire got run over by a car they had all kinds of adverts about that. None of our pay- none of our customers ever paid for it, so I can't speak to the validity of their marketing. But there are companies that have like the whole clean room bit too. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Spend spend a couple hundred bucks and buy your buddy some beer to park a drive at his place. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. That that's that's the the legit recovery operations. It, it <laughs> seems expensive, but then you try to go cheaper, and you realize that they're just using the same application that you could have just gone and paid, you know, half that price for. So yeah, when you're, when you're up in the thousands for data recovery, a, sorry, that sucks. (laughs) And and B, like you you do typically get what you pay for. (laughs) What did Brock say last week? What's that? Didn't Brock say like, didn't Brock say cheap bikes, cheap bikes are expensive later last week. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Cheap bikes are just expensive later. It's the same thing. Well, um, we didn't bring Dave here just only to talk about esoteric backup (laughs) options and RAID 5 and RAID 10 arrays and different theories around that. Um, we brought, we, we asked him here to, uh, talk about bicycles and, uh, most notably lads 500, um, which is an event that is typically in April, but, um, it is what is it now postponed to July? July, Did I see? Correct. Okay. July 11th. Yeah. Um, so how have you been on the bike front? What's, what's new for you there, David? So none of the listeners can see this, but, uh, I fell off a skateboard three weeks ago. <laughs> and so I, no. I haven't been riding at all for <laughs> a while. Um, so I got to join Aaron with the broken, broken bone club. <laughs> uh, Team broken ever bone. since I, yeah, right. It's a, it's only a minor fracture. I can still use the arm, but um, since I started home health, I have, my mileage has dropped to, 
very, very little. Cause I used to ride my bike to go work at the hospital. So I'd clock 17 miles a day, three or four times a week. Um, so what, what's on the bicycle front for me is as soon as this arm decides to get better, I am going to convert my big dummy into an e-bike and try nice. to use it for home health. Yeah. Uh, because Ooh, yeah. you know, I average 20, 35 miles in a day, which I mean, I'm a pretty stout cyclist. I'm not fast, but I'm pretty, I I'm pretty, you know, I it's 35 miles, is not outside the range, but it would take me a long time to do that. So that sure. little ESS conversion is going to make that, make that something that I can sell to my management a little easier. <laughs> nice. Well, in, and think about the, the sort of metabolic price that, that you'll pay if that wasn't an e-bike you know, clocking in 20 miles, you're going to be taking in a lot more calories and you'll be a lot more tired at the end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what's on the biking front for me. I've um, still got my disc trucker sitting in the, in the garage. Um, I took it to last November. I took it over um, the Crown Zellerbach trail to yeah. Stewart. Have you guys, have you guys done that one? I have not done the Crown Zellerbach. You've talked about it so much though. I've always wanted to do it since what? I think it was like the first lads 500 you had talked about it. Right. What it's is awesome. the Don't Crown do it Zellerbach? November, I'm, I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the Crown Zellerbach trail is, is a uh, rail trail and it starts in, um, Scapoose. No, that's not right. Oh yeah. No, it starts in Scapoose. Yeah. And it goes over the hill. So it goes over the hills and drops you into Vernonia. Um, and it's, so it's about, oh, I'd have to look at the mileage. It's not super long. It's only like 20 something miles of gravel. Yeah. Um, that but turns you... to gravel and mud in November. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and with the, with the tire clearance that I have on the disc trucker, the 700C disc trucker, I'm only able to run like 38. So it didn't feel like I had enough flotation. Uh, I was, man, I was burnt when I got <laughs> into camp at Stub Stewart. Um, did you have fenders on? I did have fenders on. Okay. So I bet you had like mud clogging up your fenders and well, no, I was sinking into the mud. That was the problem oh, is okay. that, is that my tires were too skinny to give me any float. And if I took the fenders off, I could, I could get a little bit more, but then I would be covered with mud and that's not right. happening. Uh, uh, but it's really fun because then you can turn stub Stewart into a loop ride instead of a, uh, instead of a out and back ride. Um, and that was the last bike camping I did. I met my wife and kids out at a cabin at stub Stewart and, um, got to play some games and have a couple of beers after I got done and go to sleep early. Cause I was totally exhausted. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the crown Zellerbach trail, check that out. If you have not done that Guthrie, you will love it. Especially if you can run, if you have a 26 inch bike, that's got a little bit fatter tires. Um, like Aaron's, uh, Aaron's disc trucker. It it's like, it's a great ride. Sweet. Yeah. I'm, uh, so one of the things I've been doing on quarantine, uh, alert is I've been looking <laughs> at a lot of bikes online. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, currently my brain is, I, I, I would love to, uh, I love my Surly, but I've, I've been kind of, I guess, alluding to being an N plus one bike person, uh, maybe sooner rather than later. Uh, but I, my brain's just been going like fat bike, gravel bike, fat bike, gravel bike, fat bike, gravel bike, like all week. Uh, and so that route, <laughs> 
description sounds perfect because if I do end up with a bike um, that's a little bit more backroadsy than the Surly, uh, that sounds like an excellent route to go take it out on. Well, that's right. You're a member of the, the Long Haul Charger crew, crew too, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. It's funny. You know, I, I, I buy my bikes like I try to buy my computers so that they last a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, your, your, your trucker will do the crown zeller box. Don't worry about oh, that. Oh, okay. But so you, just, you just want to do it during a drier season. Gotcha. Cause it gets, it gets real muddy, um, okay. in the fall. Cool. Um, sounds yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. better than getting run off the road by log trucks, which was my ma- last experience biking to, for, uh, to Scapoose. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. So, um, now have any of you guys done the Trask river trail? I really want to. That's the yeah, one. That's the too. one that Maria and um, Maddie rode, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OPP. Yes. So I just didn't know if you guys had done that yet or not. And I was going to pick your brains about that. Not yet. Okay. Well, you could okay. you could pick our brains uh, secondarily. <laughs> I, we've talked with folks that have done it. It it looks like a fun route. Uh, and Phil, um, previously of Axiom Events, also had recommended that one to me. Right. Excellent. Um, yeah, so that's what I got going on bike wise. It's been a slow season, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited about because I'm going to do a front wheel hub motor for the um, for the big dummy. So it'll be easy to reverse if I hate it. But um, I'm really interested in trying to play in that the e bike space a little bit. See what that does for. Um, what that does for increasing my range and, and let me get out there and do this, do the good work that I do by bike. Um, and in fact, I should dig it up. There is, um, there is a Dutch city that they do home health by e-bike. That was the, that was the whole thing oh. that got them over the hill nice. was that they literally, um, <laughs> they, they, somebody had suggested doing it by bike and the nurses were worried about showing up sweaty or looking unprofessional. And so somebody suggested e-bikes, which we are in like the perfect time for that because now right. they've become affordable. And um, so there, there is this home health agency in Denmark that is providing home health by bicycles, which was pretty amazing to see. Nice. nice. That it, oh, sorry. Was I was going to ask if you're familiar with what their setup is and if you've modeled your setup after theirs. Uh, well, I think they're riding more city bike styled ones. So like the, the, um, the gazelle, which Uh is, a that I think, I think they are using a bike kind of like that. One of their, uh, more traditionally styled, uh, Dutch bikes, because they only need a little bit of assist, um, uh, because it's a little flatter over there and, and they just show up wearing their uniforms and, um, use the bicycles that way. I don't know. So one of the challenges for the job here is that you have to carry what's called, uh, they call it trunk stock or car stock. It's stuff that you may have to have with you in case you show up and a patient needs certain things. Mm -hmm. So one of the challenges is is that trunk stock or, you know, healthcare providing things aren't typically very heavy, but they can be quite bulky. So it's, um, that's why I thought of using a cargo bike first because carrying an adequate amount of car stock, trunk stock, whatever you want to call it might be challenging on a bicycle. If, um, 
if you're not able to get bigger panniers for it. Um, so I'm still working on my system is what I sure. have to say. <laughs> um, so I did buy a mini Cooper. So my trunk is smaller than what my big dummy can carry. Oh, so if it fits in your trunk, then I you're pretty know sure I can you have can, it on the big yeah. dummy. <laughs> nice. Right on. What, uh, what kind of e-system are you going with? Uh, right now I'm looking at the Hilltopper Summit, which they say somewhere up to around 45 miles um, assistance. And it's a front wheel system with a pretty big battery. And it comes with lighting and it comes, you can uh, choose your wheel size and everything. Um, and I think it's spendy because you get everything with it, but I'm being lazy because I don't want to have to do all the research. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, and they send you everything you need and it's got a pedal assist sensor and it's got a, um, what else? It's got the full, like the full readout on your range and your miles per hour and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a, uh, it shows up, you put it on your bike and you don't have to do a whole lot of tinkering to get it to work. It's a little less homebrew because somebody else has done it for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. That is, um, I was trying to think of like crossovers to, repairability and right to repair with the electric stuff and uh the more i was thinking about it yesterday and today um you know we talk a lot about like the ability or the need to be able to fix one's machine um and and that's something that i think is kind of a blind spot for me in the e-bike world because right now i'm just in that phase of like everything's amazing and like it's (laughs) it's it's finally like well it kind of is well it it, it is and it's also like i saw e-bikes you know five ish six years ago were like yeah there's totally e-bikes around but they would break all the time and there's always these little like issues that just didn't make it feel to me like it was quite ready for prime time like i couldn't i couldn't in good faith get behind any single manufacturer and say hey this is a super rock solid platform if you get this sure you'll have some drawbacks but like it won't you're not like up a creek uh if things break and so that that's one of the shiny things about e-bikes these days is um i do think at this point the trade off of if you go with like a bosch or shimano or like one of those more pre-built systems like i think what you get for it and the amount of um autonomy over repairing your device that you give up is is at this point that scale for me is is on the worth it scale um it's not as much on like computers and some of that other stuff that's that's been around but it i got it got me thinking um because uh pathless pedaled posted a review on their electronic SRAM shifters uh, and you know whether or not electronic was for them and i think there's a bit of a parallel because i I'm, I'm not like saying this will be this way, but I could certainly see a dystopian future where um, you would get your electronic shifters and that's just what I, that's just what's on bikes these days. And so instead of paying more money for the shifter set, you'd pay more money for the accuracy of the electronic shifting. Uh, uh, and, you know, there's some there's some app that runs on your shifter and you pay 800 bucks and you get the really good shifting or something like that. <laughs> uh, just like I picture that locked down universe and I'm just like, we're not there right now. I don't think we'll be I don't think it'll I think it'll be a long time before we get or you know if it even looks something like that but at the same time i've seen it happen in other sectors and so i am a little bit uh i'm cautiously optimistic that it won't go that way um wouldn't be surprised if it did well now i'm afraid of a uh, subscription service for electronic shifters right (laughs) (laughs) if you want your bike to shift you gotta pay 12.99 a month yep 
And that's... now you own a single speed. Exactly. <laughs> See you suckers later. I'm I'm gonna get used to a single speed now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that age old. Um, that, I mean, that's just what you see all over the tech spaces, right? It's like, how much, how much convenience is it worth to me to have it, have something that works and gets out of the way and um, I don't have to think about it, right? Uh, and I think for bikes, it's actually one of the better um, bargains and like trades uh, out there as far as that kind of relationship goes. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're allowing it. Actually, and it's funny because one of the rules that I had or one of the statements I had to, when I came on before talking about the digital space was that convenience is not the highest value of a civilized society. And since, and that was before I really got out into the community and saw how technology is being used because I have since revised that statement to be that what is convenient for you might actually be a life-saving technology for somebody else. Mm. Cause I've gone in, I, I'm never going to own a smart speaker. Almost certainly never going to own a smart speaker. I don't like them. I don't like the privacy implications. However, I've gone into care homes where I have bedbound patients who have a smart speaker there. And they are able not only to control their TV, control their music, and gain so much independence over what stimulation or what activities they are doing at the time, it's hooked into the system so that they can call for help when they need it from the caregivers right. that, that oh, work at the facility. Yeah. And that was like a big aha moment for me because <clears throat> until that moment, I was like, smart speakers are, they're, they're a terrible technology. Why would like you ever do that? Yeah. Nobody should ever do that. Yes. Because it's like, the, because the privacy implications are dire. However, what is more dire is not being able to get help when you can't get help. And you're right. in a bed. So well, yeah, there's a situation where like privacy is actually detrimental to being an operational or an independent person. Right. Exactly. And so that's where the um, that's where the your convenience uh, like yeah. convenience may not be the highest value of a civilized society, but sometimes convenience can be a lifesaver. And so I have since refined my vision of that mm-hmm. just for longtime listeners to the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I dig I dig that. It makes me think of um a lot of the work that's being done in the open source space and you know we haven't seen or like I haven't seen examples of an open source smart speaker platform. Um but who knows there could be some potential there that would get, you know, I think definitely folks like me and David over the fence of like <laughs> okay, I I would consider that. <laughs> I I would consider it. Uh I it's funny you mentioned that because we got uh we had a Chromecast, you know, to our TV that a friend gave us and I was trying to get it to work and the built-in Chromecast couldn't actually connect to a laptop. So for the way that we were like hoping to um, have like friends be able to show photos and that kind of stuff, we ended up getting uh, an Amazon Fire Stick. And the very first thing I did was take apart the controller and like literally pull out the microphone element on the on the, <laughs> on the controller because I was like, there's no way. There's just no way I'm going to let one of these. Like, sure, I'll, I'll use it, but... <laughs> I have to make sure that this is physically not a possibility. <laughs> uh, so so they know what they know what you're watching. They just can't listen in on your conversation. They um, know the metadata that's tied to a bunk account of randomly generated keys that's stored in a password <laughs> manager that's on a VPN IP through Seattle that our network is connected through with a pie hole. So <laughs> sure. <laughs> 
and, and a lot of times when you know when companies this is just my like i think re resistance or rebellion can be in very like small little micro uh bites at times you know whenever they ask you for th something that's information seeking i i almost always uh say something different or consistently say something different to try to skew that demographic knowing full well that there are algorithms that also detect for that type of behavior but hey yeah. you know as long as you're giving me a choice i'm gonna make that one so anyway soapbox psh, off <laughs> um cool well david it's so, been so nice to catch up with you um thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and uh, sharing this conversation with us it's nice to connect with folks uh it, by any means possible especially during yeah. these last few weeks here especially during the last few weeks i appreciate you guys having me on i don't know that i added a lot of value but you know oh you I, definitely it's fun <laughs> ha have no doubts about that <laughs> oh one last thing so aaron i got a question for you oh boy because i saw this yeah no i saw this there was a pink shirt thing going around about an anti-bullying uh, <laughs> thing. <laughs> uh, your, your kids are they students. They are nice. students. Did you happen to wear a pink shirt in support of anti-bullying? And if you did not, why do you love bullies? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you can make that a binary question like that. <laughs> um, Answer the question, Aaron. <laughs> i'll i'll plead the fifth i will neither i will neither confirm i will neither cor corroborate nor deny um uh, these allegations but uh if you do some digging you might find a picture somewhere oh i'm told it i'm told it exists on some platform somewhere <laughs> Not connected to me whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Thank you for answering the question, sir. <laughs> There's also, ironically, a few pictures have come out in these past few weeks um, where I was wearing gray. Exactly. It was for it was for my niece's uh, quinceanera and. All of the uncles had to wear like matching gray suits. Oh yeah, but that's for a quinceanera. You gotta you gotta do what you do for your nieces, right? <laughs> that's and that's true. That's that's when it's that's where those stories come from. Of like, hey, remember that one time Uncle Aaron? Like, he <laughs> yep he was like, this event was so special that he didn't wear his standard color to it. <laughs> that's how you know it's a big event. It was one of three times I've seen Aaron in a suit. <laughs> It's it's like um, when my dad gets in a hot tub, he's like, you know, hey, you better you better get it while you can because this isn't going to happen again for another thirty <laughs> years. So tangentially related to this, I'm going to bring it back to bikes. If you guys have some time here, uh, I have recently taken the project of upgrading my uh, brake levers to the Gavinelli brake levers on my long haul trucker. And I'll, I'll show you what they are in a second. That was also right next to me. So these are amazing. I love them. Cause, and these were on uh, the Pugsley that Anna and I built. So you got your brake lever, but then you also have your shift lever right on the brake. So it's not like the traditional brifters. 
Um, it's still cable actuated. It's uh, friction. Well, it's set to friction anyways. Why would you show me that, Aaron? Why would you do that? <laughs> you like? You like? <laughs> well, so here's here's the funny thing. Um, I had these on. I had everything routed, all the cables ready to go. And um, I have a 10-speed cassette on the Pugsley. I have a 10-speed cassette on the long-haul trucker. But for some reason, I can't get these shifters to communicate with the 10-speed cassette via the cable uh, on my long-haul trucker. It just doesn't have enough travel. Um, So I took it all apart, and here's where it kind of relates to not being an all-black. I had to take it all apart, and I had to replace the shift cables, the brake cables I could save. I had to replace the shift cables to the non-Teflon-coated, non-black shift cables just the regular stainless steel silver shift cables. But I'm back to the down tube shifters now. <laughs> nice. Right. Well, see, now yeah. if the Gavinelli made electronic shifters, then you wouldn't have to have cables at all, right? <laughs> and I'd just be paying eight ninety nine a month. No. <laughs> right? Exactly. It's for the low, low cost of eight ninety nine. To have eight of your ten gears. If you <laughs> want ten gears, you got to pay twenty bucks a month. That's uh. Oh, I I loved these. I loved these shifters, and I loved them so much. I took them off the Pugsley because that's another project we've taken on. <laughs> is um, I had drop bars on the Pugsley, and now we're going to the more upright traditional mountain bike bars. Uh, so I took these off and was like, "Yeah, score! I'm going to put these on the trucker," but it didn't work out. You know some place that we also love? That, yes. That you might not be able to go to uh, right now? Not right now. I, I, bet they, I bet they have a window where you can buy I bet buy they something. do have a window. We should they did at one point you were able to go in and, and grab beers. Okay. And you just couldn't drink it there. Gotcha. I don't know that if they've sense. amended that since This This wouldn't be somewhere around 12th in the division, would it? Why? Yes, it would. What? I've never heard of this place. What is it? Well, Are you waiting for me to say it? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the Beer Mongers on Southeast Division and 12. Do they have a big stick on the roof? They do. What? Go look at the big stick. <laughs> Will do. Um, I am having a beer not from the Beer Mongers, although if they wanted to carry it, I would certainly pick it up for us and our guests. This is actually from our executive producer, uh, Brock Dudas, and it's a beer he has been talking about on some of the other mm. uh, shows that we have been doing. We we gave him back some mics last week, um, and he gave us some beer in return. But it's not actually beer; it's all out from Athletic Brewing Company. I'm holding it up to the microphone and the the camera, but <laughs> I, I'm just fully realizing that none of our listeners are going to see this photo or video. Um, it is a non-alcoholic extra dark contains less than 0.5% alcohol by volume, AKA kind of like kombucha. I was going to say that's less than some kombuchas. Yeah. Um, but it has a non-alcoholic beverage, a nice, uh, it's like a dark kind of stouty and Brock was saying it's the best non-alcoholic beer that tastes like beer that he has ever had. And from my limited experience, I would have to agree. It's pretty tasty. Mm. If, nice. if somebody handed this to me and uh, didn't tell me that it was non-alcoholic, 
I would not look at the bottle and be like, huh, what am I drinking? Because <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't know. Do you think you would uh, succumb to the placebo effect? Uh, maybe. It's it's certainly possible. Like the placebo effect in that I would be thinking I'm drinking real beer. And and maybe feeling the effects of alcohol. Without... Oh, uh, well, I'd definitely have to drink probably more than one. <laughs> but... <laughs> But but slip me some some non-labeled um, quote unquote <laughs> alcoholic beverage sometime and right. see 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 where it goes. See what happens. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks as always to the beer mongers, our generous and um, ever other ever faithful supporters, um, and also to our listeners for lending us your ears. Uh, we truly appreciate that in this day and age we're able to do things like this uh, with. The one sponsor we love, and then everybody else who's just along for the ride and uh, help support the show. So thanks for that. Um, yeah. Anything? Anything else we should cover? I think I think we we set it off. Um, Lads five hundred, you're still on the team though, right? Dude? If you'll if you'll have me. Oh, of course. Yes, yeah. please. I need to find a I need to find a vest where I can put my patches on though, and yes. I. I don't think I can do the dress vest like you do. I don't think I can manage that. <laughs> I haven't been able to find like a cutoff jean jacket vest anywhere. I've been cruising Goodwills like every third weekend trying yeah. to find one. And they want $70 on Levi's to buy one new. I'm like, no, no. it's missing sleeves. Why would I spend $70 on that? <laughs> So I'm trying to find a solution for my patches so I can fit in. Is there going to be a theme this year? Or are we still noodling that because we've got extra time? I, I, yeah, I don't think so. I, we okay. haven't we haven't talked about it. I just okay. assume we would all wear what we normally wear. All right, but sounds like a plan. And you guys will have weatherproof notebooks in case it rains. Sweet, <laughs> love it. Um, well, yeah, thank you, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, I think Aaron and I are gonna do just kind of like our quick outro read and. Um, we don't really have. And we have no news. No news. We're deciding. Mail. We're deciding to go news light um, for this <laughs> week or two. Um, none of the news is good. No. no news is is it is what it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we have no no mail uh, this week either. But you can always send us something uh, at the the sprocket podcast at gmail dot com. Call or text five zero three eight four seven nine seven seven four and share your thoughts on Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Um, but yeah, you're welcome to hang out for the last little five or ten minutes here if you'd like, David. I'd love to. Hey, do I get to pick a theme for the... I, <laughs> I was yeah. about to solicit one. We'll, we'll do our best. It's It was the, the readout last week was kind of hard because we're online, so we're still we're still working out the syncopation. The, uh, the timing is going okay. to be interesting. Yeah. That's alright. We're going to have the Battle um, of the Sibilance. Okay. Sibilance. Yes. One of you gets to be Gollum and one of you gets to be the snake from the Jungle Book. Ooh. I want to be Gollum. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I didn't want to like jump on it and seem rude, but I also didn't want to be stuck with Gollum. <laughs> no, it's funny as I was thinking the exact same except the opposite of that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um okay. I'm trying to think as far as as far as snake goes, you want me to just do a regular snake, or do you want me to actually try to match? It how sounds Kyle like a sounded. It, it sounds, he, a, he sounded like Winnie the Pooh with a lisp. Yeah, 
I think because it was the same character actor, but uh um, they got a different no. one. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh. I don't know. It was no, all Disney it. at the time. Do your own interpretation. Eric. Okay. <laughs> the Sprocket Podcast is produced at X-Ray FM's studios thanks to generous support of our patreon supporters and listeners our website is sprocketpodcast.com that was terrible girl i need to i need to get my shit together sprocketpodcast at gmail.com call or text 503-847-9774 twitter and the instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our, our theme music. Hurtbird for our headline sounder. And Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman. Eric Iverson, Cameron oh, Lean, <laughs> Richard Basinski, Tim Mooney. Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss, Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's a who's time, a time traveler? traveler, Dave Nose, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, who is on the screen, screen in front of me. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Regrainery. Campsite, <gasps> Mac Nurse David. Hey. Nathan Poulton. Rory in Michigan, Michael Flournoy. Jeremy Kitchen. David Blaze, Tim Coleman, <laughs> Harry Hugo, E.J. Finneran, Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore, Todd Gross, Barron, Chris Barron. Chris, Chris Baron, <laughs> Sean Baird, Simon, Gregory Braithwaite, Ryan Morrow, Dude Luna, Matthew Brooks, Kaka, Marshall, Paula at Funatake Cyclecraft, Philip M. Spartan Dale, no relation, Mr. T, who never really left, Bike Initiative, Kiwara. Sarah G. Adam D. Go Dig a Hole, Beth Hammond. Craig Murphy. Myra Martinez. Also. Isaac M. David C. Our newest donor, 503, and all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now brush your teeth. <laughs> and. Wash your hands and go to bed.
you can ride a bike with the friends that you like. And if that friend is named Mike, he's gonna get psyched. He's gonna like the fact that you're saving the planet for you, for you and me. You better ride your bike and avoid the turnpike. And if you have to go by car, better stay home and Skype. Cause if you ride your bike, you're saving the planet for you, for you and me. Even after working hard all day, you bring home money you'll save from your payday. Go home and ride your bike, even if it's a trike. If your bike has a flat, then you better just hike. And I don't mean hitchhike, I mean regular hike for you, for you and me. Cause you're saving the planet. That's a frickin' bike!